Hello everyone. I just want to give a quick content warning to anyone who's experienced systemic trauma. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Quarantine Spook Show. If you couldn't tell already, uh, I acquired a, a MIDI synth. And I've been spending the past few weeks experimenting with different sounds. type of plugins. Uh, I'm settling on this one here. I'll probably, probably try some a uh, few others uh, in the coming weeks. And I might switch them out if they uh, have the right sound to them. Originally I was trying to go for a uh, similar type of synth that I had for the past two summers, but it has a very distinct sound that's hard to replicate. But I got this one, 
which has a really eerie uh, clockwork orange kind of sound to it. So I thought I'd give this one a shot. Anyway, this is Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. This is a show where I do improvised horror stories. What I do is I pull out random titles from a jar, and then I make up the stories from there. Sometimes they're horrific. Sometimes they're silly. But they're all unique, strange, and different. And if you have any titles you'd like to submit, you can send them to quarantinespookshow at uh, gmail.com or just contact me direct directly uh, if you have those means of communication. Yeah, I'm going to be experimenting with this sound for this episode. I may try some others out down the road. But I do want to see where the sound goes. Alright, let's get started. Okay. This story is called Where's the House? It took Cameron and, uh, Daniel quite a long time to find the house. They were both excited about the move. They've been married for about three years going through apartment living through quite a while. They thought it was profound that they were going to take this big step together. Finding this house so they can properly start a family. 
Though Cameron and Daniel were both nervous about it. And it took them forever to find this house. Initially, their idea was to just, oh, maybe we can find a starter home or something like that, you know. Something to live in for a bit and then uh, upgrade, you know, later in our lives. And then Daniel implored, implored Cameron, uh, no, no, that's not gonna really work like that, you know. A lot of people say they're gonna start with a starter home and then they just stay in that house for the rest of their lives. Certainly not a bad thing, but... I don't want the I don't want to move into a house with the idea of oh I'll just move out eventually, you know. If I'm gonna to commit to some household, to some property of some sort, I want it to stick, you know. I want the opportunity to make it a proper home. Cameron uh, reluctantly agreed. Though she was training for a real estate license knew all the ways that uh, values of real estate could fluctuate and how people can get in at the right opportunities. And she did think it would be better to bide her time for even an even better house if her career goes the way she wants it to. But still, she thought Daniel's advice was pragmatic, so she went along with it. However, one thing that they did both agree on to bide their time for the right house. And it took a while. Anyone with a soul who's ever interacted with the real estate industry uh, knows how hellish and convoluted it can be. The system of a uh, reselling stolen, stolen land to people with many safeguards uh, so people couldn't buy it back easily. All remnants of corrupt systems. But they did find a house eventually. Both Cameron and Daniel grew up in like a what you would call the suburbs. Um, Cameron grew up in a more uh, outside of a city, and all the buildings were really close together and all that, pretty small. And Daniel grew up in a more rural area. Now both the neighborhoods and towns that they grew up in could be classified as suburban, but it was not quite the suburban ideal that you would find in something like Get Out. A gated community without a gate. Just all these ticky-tacky houses. With big houses, small yards, all really close together. And anyone that's not too much from the neighborhood gets a stare. But they found a house in that type of neighborhood. Again, not what they were aiming for, but 
the price, it was so goddamn affordable. They couldn't believe it. It was such hell on earth to find property in the Northwest. You know, something that could that was in their price range and something they could pay off within eight to ten years. And it was a big house too with a luscious yard. doing their scouting, they stopped by a lot of, you know, smaller houses, you know. But then the real estate agent was just like, you know what, there's this one house that I can, they'd probably be into. So they drove up. The neighborhood was called uh, Hummingbird Square. It was probably square in more ways than one, but... It's really a network of cul-de-sacs, long hills, and long drives. A gated community without a gate. But when they saw the house, they fell in love. It wasn't too recent of a building, it seemed a little bit older. a bit of a Victorian flair to it. Now what they were told is, uh... A lot of these suburban houses were always built in the same wave. But this house just happened to be around on the property, and the, uh... Developers, developers uh, decided to keep it there. Designed it in a certain way and decorated it, uh, customized its outside so it could blend in with all the recent buildings that are built around it. But Daniel and Cameron were into it. They could sense the house's history. they were waiting for all their lives. Cameron looked at Daniel and said, I think I actually want to live here. And then Daniel said, yeah, this might be the place. And the camera said, no, this can, this can be somewhere we, we can spend our lives together and raise a family and travel have events and gatherings, and really live in our own terms, in a way that society never quite allowed. And Daniel said, yeah, all the, I see all those things and more. So they both turned to a real estate agent, and they said, yeah, let's get it, this is, this is the spot. And the agent said, said, great, yeah, there aren't any, uh, other bids on this house, so I think you'll really be into it.
There is one thing about this house, though. Um, the reason why it's so marked down. The camera said, oh, was it haunted? Was, is it haunted or something? And the agent said, well, kind of, not quite. Now, I don't believe in that stuff. But there were uh, at least three documented murders that took place here ever since the 1800s. All through all different households, though. It wasn't like an insidious uh, serial killer that uh, set up camp here. there is some sort of physical tragedy that happened within uh, three households here. First household, uh, it was just a fire. Light damage to the house, but there was a married couple there that didn't make it. They said they might have had a cousin that started the fire, but that was never proven, but that's certainly what the newspaper said. The second household was uh, just a woman and her daughter, uh, both living alone together. And then one day, uh, the mother murdered the daughter, and then called the police immediately uh, to turn herself in. She kept saying to the police and the ambulance that arrived, just, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And then the third household, uh, was, uh, some guy that worked in tech, uh, him and his girlfriend moved in. That's probably the most weirdest and well-known well one. He set up an office in the basement, uh, Instead of uh, doing his career work, he was uh, doing something else. There was a lot of writing on the walls that were mostly indecipherable. But one word that kept coming up was vortex, vortex. Over and over he repeated it. When they would have parties, uh, he would implore everyone to leave and then also invite them in at the same time. The way his girlfriend described it, it was just like, yeah, you know, I mean, when he was being cordial or just being social, he'd be like, yeah, come over, you know, hang out at the house, come hang out in the neighborhood. But then he'd have these bursts of rage. I would just be like, no, no, you have to leave. You can never come back and all that. And then he eventually committed suicide. his girlfriend that you're buying the property from um, and she really doesn't care about the price for it she just wants to get rid of it and you know make some income from it because why not so that's why the house is so cheap and again I don't believe in this stuff I think it's a lovely home 
But if this is is the house they want to start a family and uh, spend the next chunk of your life in, you uh, you may want to consider uh, its history. Daniel and Cameron looked at each other. Cameron shrugged, and she just said, "No, I don't care." And Daniel was just like, "Yeah, I don't really, uh, I don't care either." Daniel said, yeah, we'll buy it. The drive was pretty smooth, uh, to Hummingbird Square. The housing development was on, uh, remote outskirts of Beaverton, Oregon. The development was pretty obvious when you approached it. There's really nothing else that surrounded it. The development was only half developed, really. Still, a lot of the houses were empty. Houses. A handful were still under construction, but the development was mostly complete. There was also a golf course uh, on the lot as well, but it was also incomplete. Uh, the most that they had finished was about uh, three holes. It didn't really seem that big from the outside, but driving through it just felt like a labyrinth. But they ended up driving uh, inside the diver uh, suburban development, uh, 
for about an hour. And camera just said, how long have we been driving? Daniel said, oh no, it's gotta be like an hour or something. And then Cameron said, well, it's gotta, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, this development's not that big. I don't know why we can't find that house. And Daniel said, yeah, I don't know why either. And she was like, well, it, it stands out, you know, like it kind of blends in with this paint job or whatever, but that's, yeah, I don't know why we can't find this thing. And Daniel said, well, we're still new to the neighborhood, you know, so it's gonna take a while to get our footing. Uh, but I think it'll, I think it'll be fine overall. Get the narrow way around. And Cameron said, yeah, yeah, I guess so. And then they eventually made it uh, to the house. bigger than they remembered it. Yeah, they had their U-Haul van and just started to unload. They brought everything to the house. And by the time all the boxes were inside, uh, Daniel was just like, oh, do you mind if I just drop off the U-Haul tomorrow? Camera said, "Yeah, sure, that's fine. Uh, I don't really mind." Daniel said, "Good, good. You know, moving's just a—it can be a bitch, right?" And the camera was just like, "Yeah, but with you, it's—it's uh, it's actually fun." So they started to drop off uh, their things to their respective rooms, uh, all the kitchenware in the kitchen, all their bedroom supplies in the bedroom. All the living room stuff, uh, of course, in the living room. Cameron was excited to decorate the house. She had all her favorite paintings up. Daniel put up his favorite uh, dogs playing poker painting right in the living room. And Cameron was like, oh, you, why, you, always, you really like that painting, don't you? And Daniel was like, it's my one painting, you know? I mean, you got a bunch of paintings, and they're all cool and all, but can I have my dogs playing poker? And then she was just like, yeah, I mean, again, of course you can. We got the space for it. It doesn't totally disrupt the house at all. And then Daniel was just like, I think, you know what? I think that painting's really charming. It's really cool. And then, Cam and then uh, Cameron was just like, you, you know, you bought that at Walmart. And Daniel was just like, yeah, I know, but it's still classy as fuck, and I don't want to hear you talk shit about dogs playing poker. And Cameron was just like, hey, goddamn. The conversation didn't really unfold into a fight, but... You know, moving definitely stressed them out, and driving around in circles in the suburban lot. So the day started to wind down. Uh, they didn't put everything away, but did the bulk of it. But they did start a fire in the fireplace and start cooking dinner.
they just sat together on the couch, drinking wine, watching the fire, talking about the, uh, about the seven years that they spent together, and the years that they had to come. But they were excited, and they were in love. was so profound and special. And they thought that if more people in humanity experience this type of love, there'd be less horrific things in the world that humanity was capable of. So excited to christen the house, uh, started to make sweet love right there on the couch. Passionate with the, uh, the wine in their stomachs and the fire roaring across the room with its light and shadows, uh, manipulating the shapes on the walls. Afterwards, they just lie together for a bit. And then Daniel said, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check out the basement. And Cameron was like, oh my god, really? And Daniel was like, yeah, totally. And Daniel got up and put on some pants. And went to the basement door and tried to turn on the light. And he was just like, oh, the light doesn't work. And Cameron said, yeah, didn't the real estate agent say something about that at a certain time? And Daniel was just like, I don't remember. And then Cameron said, yeah, it was something, uh, yeah, like, it was, uh, the light fixture. It's something that, uh, can be fixed, but we gotta, like, call someone to do it. You know? Or maybe we can fix it ourselves if we really want to get into it, but I'd rather just call a professional once we're settled. And then Daniel grabbed a flashlight and was like, oh, this is, this is exciting, you know? It's even spookier, right? And Cameron was just like, well, it's our house, so I'd like to think not. I don't really want to live in a haunted house. And Danny was just like, well, I don't really believe in this stuff anyway, so whatever. So Danny started to go down to the basement, and Cameron watched him disappear down the stairwell with the light also. Cameron sat there waiting, not hearing anything from Daniel. So then she put on a shirt and put on her phone flash light and started to follow him down. saw Daniel uh, just look around, stare at the walls. Um, the basement wasn't a total mess, it was mostly empty. But there were some boxes and stuff that the uh, former household left behind. Uh, the tech guy and his girlfriend.
Daniel started to look around the boxes, too. He was just like, oh my god. And the camera was just like, whoa, what is it? And then Daniel said, like, he's got all of his notes here. And the camera was just like, what, what notes? And then he said, I don't know. I think, uh, I guess he, uh, committed suicide because he was, uh, getting obsessed with something, you know, writing on the walls and everything. Something about the house. And the camera was just like, oh, I don't know about that. I mean, the guy was probably, you know, probably went through some shit and started to lose it, you know? Maybe he went through hypnotherapy or something, who's to say? Daniel said, oh, I want to get into it more, you know, in the daytime. decorating their, the inside of their house. They're getting ready for a housewarming party. And Cameron was the one who uh, had to leave to go to work. Uh, Daniel worked from home. He really only left the property uh, once um, during their move-in, uh, just so they can go grocery shopping together. But every time uh, Cameron would uh, leave to and from work, she'd always get lost in the suburban neighborhood. It felt like a labyrinth literally every time. Once she felt like she knew her way around the neighborhood, it felt like it got longer or something changed and she'd be lost again. She would say to herself, oh, God damn this fucking labyrinth suburbanite shit. God damn it. Finding her way in a dead-end cul-de-sac and then having to turn herself around. But they already started to establish a rhythm in the house. She'd get back uh, around the same time when Daniel would be getting off work, and uh, they would just talk about each other's days, and then uh, hang out for the night, or just uh, each do something on their own. But around the second week, Daniel wasn't really around to greet Cameron when she got back from work. Sometimes she'd get a head start on dinner, or dinner was already made, uh, but she'd always find Daniel in the basement, going through those boxes. And one time Cameron asked, like, oh, uh, so Daniel, it's, uh, how's it going down here? And then Daniel would be just like, oh, it's just fucking, it's just nuts. And she's just like, oh yeah? 
And then Dan would be like, yeah, this fucking guy who's, uh, you know, who's... There's a lot of records on the, the other two households, uh, that were here before him. Uh, the woman and her daughter, and then, uh, that other married couple with the fire. He's got a theory about, uh, you know, the couple set themselves on fire just to get rid of the house. All three households were, to some capacity, as some public statement that this house and this neighborhood is evil. And Cameron says, yeah, it does, you're right, that does sound nuts. And Daniel says, yeah, well, I don't, I don't believe in any of this shit, you know, but I mean, I'm just, it's fascinating, though, you know, to go to these depths and try to figure shit out, you know, it's fucking crazy. And then Cameron was just like, yeah, it sure is. Yeah, check this out too. Uh, the guy that was here before, he started to come up with that. He was, you know, everyone was saying, like, oh, this house is fucked up. The neighborhood is fucked up. It should be avoided or whatever. And the camera said, yeah, well, the neighborhood was built recently. Like, this house was pretty isolated for a while on just, like, this random field and meadow. Dan said, yeah, yeah, but, like, check this out, though, you know. I mean, the tech guy that was here, he was coming up with this theory that, uh, you know, all these houses, like, you know, like, the, this one household is, like, a center point for just, like, this greater force, you know, like, this vortex. I don't know how many miles it goes or anything, or maybe it's just, uh, you know, it could be a quarter-mile radius, I don't know. But, you know, he thinks that, like, all these houses were built, uh, because of this vortex, you know. And all these houses and this neighborhood was a way to uh, insulate this one specific house, you know. And all these houses are an extensive, ex uh, or, ex or, uh, or uh, you know. And cameras was like, Daniel, call calm down, you're stuttering. And then Daniel was like, yeah, I'm just kind of losing my shit a little bit. But um, I'm just excited, you know. But uh, yeah, he was saying that this, this house, um, all the other houses in this neighborhood are an extension of this one specific house. This is a center point for this greater force. I don't know. He doesn't really go into any detail. I mean, he kind of extrapolates with his uh, little simulation theories or whatever, but I think it's something something else is happening here. He's certainly onto something. said yeah that does uh sounds crazy like what do you well all right so what do you daniel what do you think is happening and he's just like i don't know i'm just i'm just reading up on all this stuff it's fascinating and cameron was just like did you did you go to work today and daniel said yeah yeah i got all my work done um you know i left early so i can uh, dig in this stuff a little bit more and uh yeah, what I've been doing is I get off work early and I make dinner so you don't have to worry about it. And then I come down here and just investigate. It's so goddamn fascinating down here. Cameron said, alright, well... Alright, well... I'm gonna go upstairs, gonna finish eating. Um, 
yeah, you, uh, see you later tonight, I guess. And Daniel said, yeah, yeah, well, uh, we can hang out tonight, you know, I'm almost finished up. And Cameron was just like, no, no, you, uh, you're obviously into it, you're having fun, uh, I don't want to intrude on your, uh, on your research, you know. And Daniel said, um, I mean, it's not, it's not imperative, it's just, I'm just curious, you know. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. The camera said, no, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, I just want to, you know, we moved into this house just so we can, like, chill out a bit, you know. I'm not, uh, I mean, like, I'm down for learning about the house's history and all that, but we don't really have to, like, gun for what's fucked up about it, you know what I mean? Like, not right away, at least. Like, it's something I want to learn over time, but I also just want to, like, sit and enjoy and just enjoy residing in my own abode, you know what I mean? And Daniel said, yeah, I, I get that, I'm sorry, I don't mean, I'm not trying to come in too hot. Cameron looked him in the eye, it was a familiar look in his eye, um, when she talked to uh, conspiracy theorists and whatnot. She remembers she had one friend who was really about Pizzagate back when that was a thing, in like uh, 2016, 2017, whenever it was. And then he'd, uh, then she'd look him in the eye, and he'd have like this manic glare. And it always unnerved her when people had that look in their eye. But she saw the ghost of that look in Daniel's eye. Not, not in its uh, fully developed form, but a trace of it for sure. More of a trace than she was comfortable with. It was the first time she ever saw that look in Daniel's eye. You'd think it would be something she would have seen earlier, uh, if not during the early stretch of their relationship, then earlier on in their marriage. She left it alone at the time. And then, as the afternoon and night went on, she just went upstairs, uh, ate the dinner that he prepared, and then I just watched uh, Star Trek on Netflix. And then she went to bed. Didn't see him until she woke up, and he was already crashed on the bed, dead asleep. Probably because he stayed up all night looking into those boxes and trying to figure out what was off with the house. Now, Cameron was never someone who really believed in haunted houses or ethereal spirits uh, traversing the world or anything like that. But when she talked to people who believed in ghosts, ghosts and whatever, if they referenced a specific house or a specific place, she would go to that place and then she would be like, yeah, this kind of feels icky. I can see why you think ghosts are here. But she didn't feel that way about this house. She was content and comfortable. I didn't really feel a need to extrapolate into anything else. 
at this point they lived in the house for about a month and a half. Cameron, the, Cameron had the idea to throw a housewarming party. Daniel was more reluctant. He was getting a little bit uh, less social, uh, not just with Cameron, but uh, his friends and family as well. Definitely isolating himself. Though Cameron was concerned about uh, his obsession with the history of the house and the property. But she honestly just pawned it all off as, you know, pandemic woes or seasonal depression. conversation went like this. Dan was like, no, I don't want I don't want anyone around at this house, you know. Cameron was like, why not? We've been talking about this like since we moved in, you know. We might as well start penciling something in, bring some friends over, you know. Met some of the neighbors, they seemed cool. It'd be nice to have them over. Get to know them a little bit. Danny was just like, no, it's too it's too weird. No, I don't want to do that. Cameron said, well, why not? Come on. And Daniel said, like, everyone's, you know, everyone's drawn to this house, you know? And Cameron said, oh, well, what do you mean? And then Daniel said, well, you know, it's just, you know, like, we, we saw the house and we fell in love with it, you know? And there's a suburban housing uh, set of developments, you know, surrounding it and a golf course and everything. Like, everything's, everything, like, you know, everything, like, fits too well to this center point. It's, it's weird, you know? And Cameron said, Daniel, you're really getting too fucking into the last guy's, uh, research, if you want to call it that. Like, it's getting weird. And then Daniel said, no, no, it's not even, it's not even about that at all, you know? It's just, you know, I'm just observing the way people uh, act, like in the neighborhood, and how I've been acting, and you've been acting. And the camera was just like, well, how have I been acting? And Daniel said, well, you've just been, you've just been hanging out at the house all the time, you know? You used to, when we lived in an apartment, you know, you just like, you'd go do more things. You'd go out to bars and stuff, you'd go hiking and all that. But here, you're just sitting in the house all day, you know? And the camera said, well, shit, Daniel, I think something about uh, quarantining for a year and a half really fucked me up in how I socialize, you know? And also, we're not in some dingy apartment anymore, so I just enjoy being in an abode, you know? Like, yeah, sure, I'd love to do other shit. In fact, we can do other shit together, that sounds great. Since we just moved into this house, I'm excited to just sit here and be, you know, and to acclimate to it as my home, you know, and I've been enjoying that process, believe it or not. And yeah, sure, we can do whatever. We can go hiking, we can, you know, 
We can try out the golf course, or at least those three holes. And Daniel said, yeah, but that's another thing, though. Like, everything... Like, when I talk to the neighbors, like, people... The things that people do here are only things that are done here. You know, like the golf course, or like going for a walk. You know, it's creepy. It's like a, it's like a prison. It's weird. to Daniel it's just a community it's just how people organize like yeah you know I have a corporate job and that's it's creepy like they definitely set that up you know probably somewhere where you'd find in a prison or like some other like large-scale service kind of job thing but it's the same thing in a corporate place that is how people organize and it's weird if your actions are being dictated by other controlling forces like yeah I get that but we all just fucking this isn't even like a developed space, really, you know? It's just, you know, we just... Obviously, if you want to go for a walk, you can go for a walk, like, outside the house, you know? Like, oh, I want to go for a walk. How about I just go all the way to freaking San Francisco and go for a walk there, you know? That's well worth the flight. Like, no, we live here. We're habitating this place, you know? This is something that people who habitate do, you know? Daniel shook his head. No, no, it's uh, something more than that. I can't, I can't put my finger on it. You know, do you ever notice how people like stare at the house? You know. And then Cameron said, "Yeah, I have. Um, probably for a few reasons. You know, one, uh, we're new to the neighborhood, um, and maybe they got their own hang-ups or their own judgments, which that's creepy, and I wouldn't want to talk to those people. But a lot of people who stare, it's like you know." It's a beautiful home, and I don't know if you know this, Cameron, but this is also has a reputation of a haunted house. So anyone who walks by is be like, oh shit, that haunted house. Like, yes, Daniel. Obviously, I know those people stare at the house. You know, I stare at it too. I'm staring at it right now because I'm in it, because we live here. And Daniel said, I don't know, something's something's going on. It's nothing. No sentient forces are at work, but it's just some weird force of nature that's happening that I can't quite compare. And the camera said, Daniel, it's just people being people, you know? Like, don't worry about it. Let's have a party. We can... It doesn't have to be a big gathering, but I think you need to, like, socialize with people. You know, get out of your own head a little bit, you know? Daniel said, okay, yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. And, you know, maybe after the gathering we'd have, like, some sort of, like, a date or something. And Cameron said, yeah, that sounds cool, but let's go through the gathering, though, and then, uh, we talk more after that. on a Sunday. No particular Sunday. No Sunday for a particular reason. It was just like, oh, let's have it on a Sunday. 
Coincidentally, it was on a full moon. Nothing that either of them prepared for. But Daniel took note of it, and it made him nervous. Okay, well, why is there a full moon happening on the day that we're having this party, you know? Cameron was just like, Daniel, I don't want to fucking start. Do you want to reschedule it for a new moon? Or maybe some sort of crescent moon? Do you prefer waxing or waning? Like, dude, come on. Like, I can't deal with this. I already got to summon energy to greet people and, you know, and hang out, you know, I'm trying to acclimate her, getting ready for socializing. And Daniel said, I don't know, something's, something weird's happening, I gotta, I don't know, it's weird, I don't like it, I don't know if I wanna go. And Cameron was like, what do you mean you don't wanna go? It's your house. Daniel was like, it doesn't feel like my house, I feel like... I don't feel like, oh, this is my house. I feel like I am subject to the house, you know? Like, this, the house owns me, not me owning the house. And Cameron was just like, all right, I don't want to get all dystopian about it, but, like, we don't own the house. The bank owns the house, and we're paying it off. So if you want to look at it that way, you know, we're not being beholden to anything or whatever. If you want to, you know, if you don't want to go, don't go. But, like, I really want you to go. Are you going to stay in your room the whole time? Cameron's, and uh, Daniel said, uh, I, I don't know, maybe. I, I might. I haven't thought of it, but, you know, maybe I'll just stay in the basement and, do, and get some work done. And then Cameron said, Daniel, that's not real work. I think you're you're getting unhinged and you're losing your shit. Daniel said, well, to each their own. That's something said, Daniel. That's something Daniel said, uh, Every time uh, that Cameron and Daniel had an argument that they couldn't resolve, more often than not, if uh, Daniel was in the wrong, or at least he didn't have a way to argue out of his uh, situation in the argument, he would just say, uh, to each their own, and just drop it. It always pissed Cameron off, because she wanted to confront him more and explore why he's thinking the way he's thinking consider looking at things in different ways. small gathering uh, that a handful of friends and some neighbors and Cameron even invited a co-worker but they made it in the form of a barbecue outside it was still warm enough for that even though fall was looming Danny was grilling some meat on the barbecue. Also had some vegan options and some onions and condiments and all that. He seasoned the meat himself and was really excited about it.
Cameron was just uh, chatting, mingling. She kept glancing at Daniel, uh, knowing this was something he did at parties when he didn't want to talk to anyone. He'd fixate on activity, you know. And this time he was really about uh, fixating on meat and cleaning and whatnot. party, you know? It's not bad. It was, a, uh, you know, everyone's still acclimating during the summer, uh, during the, uh, ongoing pandemic and really taking advantage of being vaccinated. People were still socializing, but it was at that point where people were getting the hang of it. It was nice to absorb the fall crisp air. We're talking about like yeah, if, uh, Halloween might actually like happen happen this year. I mean, I dressed up anyway last year, but it's nice that people will be out trick or treating and there'll be more like parties and stuff. Yeah, it's long overdue. Yeah, people are pent up for sure. And the camera said, yeah, I'll say. One neighbor approached uh, Cameron, and she was just like, oh, I love this house. And Cameron was just like, yeah, we're really happy with it. And the neighbor said, no, no, I, I really love this house. Like, you know, we were, you know, me and my husband, you know, we moved in uh, at a different house. Uh, I guess pretty close to it, maybe uh, like two blocks down. I think you've maybe walked by it already. And the camera said, yeah, well, I've certainly driven by it, you know. And then a neighbor nodded and said, yeah, it gets weird here. Cameron said, uh, weird how? And the neighbor said, well, um, you know, it's just not bad weird, but it's just, yeah, it's just, you know, when you're driving through, it's always easy to get lost, you know. Said, uh, yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Still haven't even gotten used to it yet, and I've been here for like almost two months. And the neighbor said, Yeah, you'll, uh, you'll get used to it, you know. Um, but yeah, even, uh, when, uh, when Ted died, uh, uh, yeah, I really wanted to move into the house. And Cameron said, Ted. And the neighbor said, Oh, Ted's a, a guy who lived here before, you know, is, uh, a partner was selling the place. But yeah, I really wanted to live here, you know, even though I didn't live too far away, but I was willing to, like, sell my house and just be like, fuck it, I'll set up shop, but it was, you know, my husband talked me out of it, you know. He wanted to live here, too, but it was just too, it's too much, you know, so I was just like, okay, it was a bit too much of a hassle for moving three blocks away, you know. And then, uh, Cameron said, uh-huh, yeah. 
Well, we're happy that, uh, we live here, you know. And then, uh, the neighbor said, yeah, it's, it's, it's just the perfect house, you know. And the camera said, it's, uh, I'm very, very happy with it. And then the neighbor said, no, it's perfect. I could, I could live there forever, you know. And then Cameron said, yeah, well, we hope we hope to live here for a long time, for sure. The neighbor said, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little drunk and making things weird, I'm sorry. Cameron said, no, no, it's fine, I'm glad you like the house, it's okay. The neighbor said, you, you really, you just don't know what kind of a gift you have living in the house that you live in. It's so beautiful, it has such a rich history, you know. away from that conversation and she's kind of like looking around at the party you know feeling like a bit of an observer she was much more shy in her teenage years and uh, that taught her to be more observant about people um, but as she blossomed through her adulthood you know she spent more time you know really just engaging with people more you know learning about their lives and their worlds and how they live But at this point, she felt like a fish out, out of water, which was a, she thought was a strange thing to feel uh, at her own house. But she just looked around and she watched people's faces. I mean, someone could be talking about something. It could be something mundane, you know. They could be, they could be talking about a TV or talk shows or something, sports or anything like that. But then this thing would happen where they'd be talking and then their eyes would suddenly shift to the Victorian house. And then back to the conversation and they would uh, bring an air to it. Uh, they'd start like talking a little bit louder as if their mundane conversation was covering something up. Some sort of mysterious hidden truth they were too afraid to be in tune with or to handle. It's like something about the presence of the house really acknowledged the grand emptiness that pervades all existence. And then they were shown the face of it and then immediately had to divert to some random BS topical conversation about whatever. this she also felt a weirdness in the house not that she realized it again she always told herself that she wasn't afraid of any uh per uh, she told herself she wasn't afraid of any per 
pervasive emptiness. But it was very uh, specifically electric in this Victorian house. slowly so we could spend a long time doing it. And the camera said, uh, yeah, there's something weird about the house. And Daniel said, yeah, I know, right? And she said, listen, I'm, you know, I agree with you on this, but you gotta, I don't know what you're researching, um, but you gotta, I'm worried about you. I don't want you to dive to do too deep into it, into some hole that you can't climb out of. And then Daniel said, no, no, of course not. I wouldn't want to do anything like that. But I've also, I haven't just been researching stuff into boxes, like I've been popping by the library more on my lunch breaks, looking up stuff here, you know. Not a lot of information on this house or anything, or this land, you know. And the camera said, yeah, well, um... I don't know if I'm, you know, we don't, again, I, I like living here on the day-to-day, -day, um, but I'm all for the idea of, you know, not living here if you want, and Daniel said, well, I'm, I'm open to that too, uh, it's just hard to, like, uh, to back out of this, uh, purchase that we made, you know, it's gonna take a lot of work and a lot of paperwork. said, you know what, I'm still down for looking for something else, you know, um, we don't have to force it or anything, uh, but maybe this was, you know, I don't know, I'm down for, yeah, I'm down for it, we can, let's keep it an open conversation, how about that, see how we feel living here uh, as the weeks or months go on. And Daniel said, well, I think, you know, stay too long, we might be sucked into whatever is up with this place, you know? But I do think we should talk about it if we moving out, if we want to do if we want to do that, um I guess this was the start of home after all. Cameron smiled and I kissed him.
So the barbecue went on. It was a nice event. And everyone went home. And then Cameron and uh, Danny went to bed. And they started to make love together. And then they fell asleep. For a while. Danny got up in the middle of the night, ran out of the room. We woke Cameron up and she was like, oh, what the fuck was that? She just heard Daniel's loud, heavy footsteps run through the hall. And just him screaming. Cameron stood up in her bed, didn't do anything about it, just stood up alert, wide eyes. She pulled out a pack of cigarettes and started smoking it. She only had one cigarette uh, and she wasn't, uh, she didn't like smoking in the house, she only smoked casually, didn't smoke enough to really gather a deep addiction to it. The stress of hearing her husband uh, rampage throughout the house really disturbed her, so she smoked. Might lead to an argument later about smoking in the house, but she didn't care. Her nerves were unwound. She thought she had a she had a good conversation with Daniel at the barbecue. They're seeing eye to eye. That they weren't trusting something about the house willing to open a dialogue about moving out. But it seemed like all that, uh, all that constructive conversation, uh, didn't build up to anything after all. And she was back to where he started. She was back to where she started. Feeling alone in her own house. In her own marriage. She didn't know what to do. All she did in that moment was listen. Listen to his footsteps. Back and forth on the hardwood floors. He started to scream a few times. And some things he would say would be, uh, I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. She didn't know what was compelling him, what was driving him, what kind of things did uh, he discover in the research that he was doing. And then she heard him screaming, scream again. It has to stop. It has to stop. 
and then she heard this tremendously loud banging. It was a loud, dense clang. Rhythmic and deliberate. She was nervous. She put on some clothes and then left the bedroom. Creeping in the hall, she looked down it. It looked like a normal hallway. There was one fist mark in the wall, though, that disturbed her. She's never known Daniel to be violent. And she thought about grabbing a kitchen knife to confront him, but she didn't want to be a kind of wife that would uh, wave a knife to her husband. But then again, she also didn't want her husband to be the kind of husband that waved a knife against his wife. She didn't know where her marriage was going. She spent many times alone in her life, but she never felt more alone in this moment. She crept down the hall, down the stairs, the banging getting louder. Clang. Clang. She went down to the first floor, saw the basement door open, with the light on. They never had the light fixed before, but this time it was on and, on and operational. was coming from the basement. She didn't know if she was making a mistake or not, but she had to know. She felt that pull of curiosity. That David, that uh, Daniel talked about. She walked down those stairs, and to her, she thought she was making a choice, but deeper down, she knew that she wasn't. She didn't know what was happening. She thought about the other three households and what they went through, and she was worried that she was walking into an instance like that. Could this be it? Could this be the night that I die? She walked slowly, but the, the basement steps still kept creeping. She tried to walk in a way to not push too much weight on the stairs so they, were, so they weren't too loud, but it was loud anyway. The only sounds were happening were her footsteps going down the basement stairs, the loud clanging coming from the basement. And Daniel's uh, heavy huffs in his pants. Whatever he was doing, he was exhausting himself. Cameron went further down the stairs and saw what Daniel was doing. He had a sledgehammer and he was bashing the basement floor over and over. It's been a while she's been in the 
It's been a while since she's been in the basement. She saw all the boxes and documents spread out. Some folders from the library. Scrawling is against the walls. His own imagery and his own words to it. She didn't have any, uh... The, lucid, the lucidity to read what he wrote on the walls. It was too illegible anyway. But she only saw the vast scrawl of whatever madness that Daniel was coming through. She just stood by the stairs and watched him. Watched him take the sledgehammer to the floor. to watch someone that she loved so much totally lose it in a way that she's never seen before never seen any person do they've had deep levels of intimacy during their marriage but this is the first time that she was seeing his most deepest level He kept bashing at that floor, and then it got to the point where he started to scream with every swing, and really started to break it apart. Eventually, he broke up a lot of pieces of the concrete. Apparently satisfied with it, he tossed the sledgehammer aside. He started to dig through the pieces. tossing them around and Cameron just watched some more and then Daniel said oh my god and then Cameron managed to mutter a whisper what is it and Daniel dug his arms into the hole that he created and he said look at this There are bones. Skeleton bones. He started to dig some more. Cameras started to freak out too, but not for the same reasons anymore. She went and grabbed a shovel and started to help him dig. He took some more swings with the sledgehammer to break up other pieces of the floor. And they spent the whole night digging. found the bones of at least a couple dozen skeletons. Some were people. Other were, uh, of other types of animals, like dogs or coyotes. They spent the entire night trying to extract what they could from it. Eventually they got exhausted at around dawn. And Cameron uh, got her cell phone and she said, I'm gonna 
I'm gonna call somebody pick up or something, um, so they can deal with the, the rest of this. Daniel sighed and nodded. They were both sitting on their back patio that they finished uh, customizing and decorating for the party the night before. And he just nodded, sweaty and dirty, and saying, Good idea. forensic uh, professionals uh, come and dig up the bodies. They made international news to see all these uh, skeletons uh, being discovered under this house. And with uh, America's dark history, there's uh, plenty of speculations of where these bodies came from. Both Daniel and Cameron were willing to learn more about it, uh, but eventually the bodies that were identified were sent back to their families. Cameron and Diane uh, stayed, at, stayed at a hotel uh, while the digging was happen happening. They stayed in different rooms. They talk occasionally uh, about their relationship, about what they experienced together. Eventually, when the excavation was finished, Twenty-two human bodies, five bodies for dogs, and then three for coyotes. There are various theories about where these bodies came from. I think the most uh, presiding one that they read about was there was some sort of a serial killer from the 1800s, and he was just uh, abducting people and burying them in the basement, and then was building the house and built the concrete over them. And that's allegedly how the house became haunted. Um, but there are plenty of other darker implications of how those bodies got there. Cameron and Daniel were separated for about three months, and they started to talk more and started to go on some dates, and talking about what they were doing for the past few months, talking about what they th went through. The first night they uh, spent together during the break, uh, they both cried together about what they discovered and how could it have happened. They're both ready to commit to selling the house. 
as soon as they returned to it to pick up their things, it almost felt okay. Like some sort of hidden darkness was removed and it was e easier to be a little bit. So they spent those next several months uh, redecorating the house with the original intention to resell it, but over time they got attached to it and started to, decided to keep it. The suburban development was canceled. Uh, they kept the houses that were already up. They didn't decide. They decided not to finish it. Some of the uh, unbought houses were repurposed to apartments. And when they go through, drive through the neighborhood, uh, it would be less disorienting, less like a labyrinth. they were sitting on their back patio uh, and they were both staring at each other Daniel and Cameron and in that moment they shared the very similar string of thoughts about how far they've come as a couple that they discovered together. And they both knew that they would never really quite feel right in the same way again. But they were both thrilled and ecstatic and profoundly relieved that they had each other even in their darkest moments. Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. And good night.